I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Overthink Podcast. It's okay. Here's Savannah Hamilton. We're just having a chat before the recording, but um, it's tied in into the recording. But anyway, Savannah Hamilton, Sportsnet, been having a hell of a year. Um, not so much with the Toronto Raptors uh, because they're having um, a hell of a year in a different way, but you've had a hell of a year. Um, just watching your career grow has been a real pleasure. How are you doing, Savannah? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. What's been the best uh, road city you've gone to so far? Oh, man. Um, well, first things first, thank you for the introduction and a little bit of love there. I appreciate it. The of course. Road city. So I'm going to like... Take, I'm going to take off the obvious choices. Like LA doesn't count. New York doesn't count. Miami doesn't count. Like let's just take no. away those ones. Okay. Yep. Um, the sleeper city that I think is one of the best cities that I didn't realize was going to be a really good city was definitely Washington. Like hmm. I loved it there. Like it had a really cool vibe. It was super safe. Of course. Like the first night that we got there, I walked to the white house, showed my parents that and everything. And like, uh, all the museums in the city are free, which is pretty sick. I love museums, but I didn't even get to go no to any. Um, yeah. And then uh, the area that we were staying in close to Georgetown uh, it was just so like, so, so like it reminded me of Streetsville in Mississauga, like the old cobble brick type of like vibe, like, um, and just walking down the, the, the path, like the, the, the road, there's so mm-hmm. much little cute shops and different types of shops. And it also has like that student energy. Cause there's like oh, a lot sure young people infusing life into it so definitely washington yeah nice nice what's been the worst city i'm kidding don't do that no. <laughs> there's no there's well, no gain to <laughs> to disclosing that so <laughs> why bother <laughs> here's my list um, <laughs> yeah, you must have a list yeah, everyone has a list i don't have a list no <laughs> i love no? every city equally of all 30 cities <laughs> that you you've probably gone to have you gone to all 30 what have you gone uh, to? the only one only place I haven't gone to yet is uh, Charlotte and Boston, which is our last road trip. But I've been to Boston for personal reasons before, but it was really Charlotte I haven't been to. You might be going to Boston for a couple of games in a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah. Oh, totally. Boston's sick. Yeah. I love Boston. Yeah, it's a cool city. I went there for the the Leafs, uh, a Leafs run um, when the, the collapse happened. And uh, part of it was fun. I mean, just seeing like the the the, the culture, like there is a truly a Boston culture. And um yeah, I'll leave it there. Okay. So, uh, Savannah, a um, couple of questions for you. Things to go through with the Toronto Raptors. Let's start with this. Are the current Raptors as they are with Jakob Pertl, Fred Van Vliet, uh, that combination, Pascal Siakam, all that stuff, when they're all clicking, is this team mid? Are they good or are they very good? Now, I say that saying that also the Milwaukee Bucks, I think, are in a tier of their own. That's just my personal opinion, but I, I do mm-hmm. like they're in a different stratosphere than the entire league, in my opinion. The the Boston Celtics were kind of there, but the way they're the playing, entire league, league. Eh. yeah. I mean, I, I just think they're they're that good. However, yeah. um, you could put the Raptors anywhere underneath them, wherever you want, mid, good, or very good. Good when they're clicking, they're good. Like, um, yep. you know, I think we have we've only seen glimpses this season. Like, let's keep it real, like a, a very good, like mm-hmm. there's potential to be very good, but we've seen good a lot more than very good. So I'm going to sure. use the the average here and like when they are clicking they're they're good when they're not clicking, they can drop to mid. Um, and they've, we've seen moments throughout the season. The players have seen moments throughout the season where it could just doesn't look like good basketball sometimes. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, and they know that like, you know, they, they have it in them to, to be, to be better and everything. And, and, you know, with Jakob now, especially like they have found that rhythm um, and you see it. It's almost, it's almost like you wish that Jakob was there in the beginning of the season because oh, yeah. you could, you almost oh, wonder yeah. where would they be yeah. now with him there, with him there back then um, yeah. because they just play off of him so well. It's almost like he was 
one of the plugs that they needed um, in terms of like the, what he serves in the pick and roll and how he plays off of Fred. But then Scotty really enjoys playing off of Jakob too. Like he's he's a very unselfish guy. So um, not to get too far into like just him in particular, but just into terms of when this team is clicking, they look really great. And you got to give credit to Jakob for, for coming in. And, you know, he didn't even take that long to like get reef re-familiar or get more familiarized again with the mm-hmm. uh with the system that he left earlier right so it's kind of nice a little plug and play but yeah they're definitely um a good team when they're clicking sure and it's actually okay to mention like Jacoperl has been the biggest difference because he really in fact has been and it also serves to the thinking that the Raptors were never really that far away with the amount of talent they have on the roster there were just a couple of holes that they needed to be fixed and here they are now since the all-star break um, seventh in defense and 20th in offense which is more cl- closer to where we thought they would be this season as you said if they had Yaka for the entire season I feel pretty mm-hmm. confident saying they'd be a top six team but then bees the breaks yep. that's how she goes um, they found some success recently staggering their starters um the bench has been a problem all season but you know during the road trip especially you just saw it against those la teams they would have really good stretches with the starters bench would come in and it just wouldn't be there um but now they're really honing in on you know how do they make sure that they have two of fred og or gary on the court at all times to make sure that the spacing is optimal and also the backup center minutes Still a problem. They've been experimenting with Christian Coloco mm-hmm. a couple times, and uh, it's been okay um, against the Milwaukee Bucks after a DMP. Precious was out there, and he had a couple of good minutes, but yeah. then we also saw Brooke Lopez just torch them in the fourth quarter. Holy smokes. Yeah. 17 points. And I say yeah. the Bucks. the reason why the Bucks come up for me as like a tier of their own is that they just have so many ways to beat you, and I think we saw like yes. two of the oh. ways two of the ways in that game yeah. and it was successful, but they have yeah. four or five Shooting. different ways to beat you. And it's, yep. it's, they're very, very good. Very good. That's, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, but in the end, I, I do agree with you. They're, they're a good team. Um, some holes to fix for sure. But one of them probably is, I mean, not even a hole, but it's how do they get Pascal Siakam back to being his all-star self. And it hasn't yes. been there for a little while now. Um, last 13 games, 20 points, 43% shooting, 31.5% from three, eight rebounds, five assists. He was operating in a phone booth the entire season, and now that phone booth has actually collapsed a little bit more. But now he's also not in the spots yeah. on the court that are the best best for him. So what are you seeing from Pascal? And I guess, like, do you think this is how it's going to be for the rest of the season, or is there reason to believe that he's going to be able to turn it around um, as we head down the stretch? It's really hard for me. If you think of even the probability game, right? It's really hard for me to picture any player, let alone Pascal of all people, to yeah. have what there's ten more games left in the season, really, like ten. Uh-huh. Um, to have ten bad games, like sure. no, that's just not gonna happen. And right now, like players, they go through like ebbs and flows and dips in their career. Like we know that, and it happens in the season. It happens to some people sooner. It happens to some people later. Pascal had mm-hmm. a great at the start of the season and then he had that like a uh, tweak when he was they were playing against Dallas with Luca and then um and then he was out for a few weeks there and that kind of took him out of rhythm I think um but he still had glimpses of playing very well even when he was finding back his rhythm you can look at Gary Trent Jr where he was not shooting well at all and he'll be the first one to tell you that in the beginning of the season and he was getting all those extra shots up at the end of a game um just to get back his shot so he and now he's one of the, the most consistent shooters on the team yeah. um and we've seen og we've seen fred like you know they every single player has had their struggles and so right now what we're seeing is just a little bit of a struggle with pascal like mm-hmm. i'm sure it doesn't help in terms of morale and he even spoke to it himself that like sometimes like he this is like last week he spoke that sometimes um he he goes through things where he, almost like his love for the game is a little tested he still loves the game he wakes up he always wants to work hard and everything but Sometimes like when you're losing, you're not in the best mental space. Um, However, the team has been winning despite the fact that like, he's not even playing at his optimal self. Like, and to be honest, I know like it's kind of a moral victory against the box. Like the box, you're right. I totally agree with you. They have a thousand and one ways to like get to you. And they are truly the best team in the league. Um, And so when I think about like um, the fact that like the, the Raptors were able to come back from their shooting streak, like, like right off the top of the game, like they're shooting like around 60% from three, they got them down to 39% by the halftime. 
So yeah. that's an adjustment right there. And they're only down by two at half. And mm-hmm. so, and then, and then, as you said, like, you know, Lopez, he just decided to go off in the, in the, by the end of the game. And that was really hard to contain, not to mention the Raptors, yeah. they had a lot of turnover. So like when you go back to the original question, um, you know, of Pascal and the, yeah, so he's going to come back because it's just probability game of he's not going to suck for the next 10 games or nothing. He doesn't even like, he's not even like that bad right now. I think we also just have a certain level of expectation from him. Um, and look, we, we just need to see it probably made up a little bit more in the offensive end. Um, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like, you know, we should be looking out to see if he's doing more hustle plays. What is he making up for on the de- defensive end as well? Um, that he could potentially be contributing to the team that way. Cause at the end of the day, like, Raptors still have so many great offensive threats, right? Like OG shooting about 40% from three. Um, yeah. uh, you see um, uh, like Fred taking his shots. He's finding his rhythm again. Like he's in Gary, of course, like as I mentioned, and Gary's going to be plugged into that starting lineup soon. So like, well, most likely um, with, with Scotty being questionable as it was just confirmed today <laughs> at practice yeah. that yep, he's day to day. So yeah, so anyway, so the, the 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 team as a whole is like in an interesting position and the fact that like, you know, they're they're good but they their their ebbs and flows are can be steep sometimes and Pascal will get out of it for sure. Yeah, it's a tricky one for him. Um I think teams are guarding him differently throughout the season and you just see the amount of attention yeah. that he gathers and it's been like that all year and the Raptors, they've struggled to counter just simply because of the lack of shooting on the court, players going up and down, injuries and so forth. And so he's been dealing with that already. And then you add in this wrinkle of the Yaka Pirtle and Fred Van Vliet, that pick and roll that's been really potent. We're going to get to that in a second, but there's no reason not to spam that because you're it's advantageous for your offense. And at the same time, now Pascal yeah. is is working from different spots on the court. He's had to rely on his jump shot a little bit more. Um, he's more of a spot-up shooter. And these are good things for his career at the same time. And also, like, being able to operate from different spots on the court and being able to execute and be a threat from there, again, that's very good for him if he wants to be a true top-five player. But it's also okay to question that, you know, maybe maybe it's just not going to be there for the rest of the season. Or maybe he's still unhealthy. Maybe he just doesn't have that burst because I haven't seen him blow by too many players lately. And that was something that was just like happening, you know, constantly throughout the year. And also, you know what? His defense hasn't been there either of late and it's minutes, it's uh, usage, it's all these things combined, I'm sure. But in the end, the Raptors need him to be, you know, close to his all-star self if they want to make any kind of noise. And even in the play-in too, like if we're getting into like a one game winner take all kind of scenario, you still need Pascal Siakam. You need him to be like elite. You need him to be lit. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> let's, uh, let, let, I mean, like, listen, we would rather have him having a bit of a, a struggle moment now, right now, than yeah. in a playing tournament, like, or like in a situation where it's truly a must win. Like mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather him play the way he's playing and he knows that he could do better, um, right now. And, you yeah. know, maybe the, the Raptors fall into an eight seed, potentially maybe a ninth seed, but mm-hmm. then he's playing like his all-star self in that play in tournament and that gets them to another round. Like yeah. that's what it's like the give and take, right? Like it's being just being realistic about it. But mm-hmm. like I said, I, I truly do think he could bounce back. He could bounce back as soon as next game. Like and sure. then and then all the worries in the world are, are gone all yeah. of a sudden. <laughs> just like that. And even <laughs> yesterday or against the Bucks, uh, he shot five of fourteen. There were two pretty open layups that he missed. All of a sudden he's seven of fourteen. Not so bad at all, right? And then 12 rebounds, yeah. seven assists. Um, he's having to pass yeah. from different spots on the court now too as uh, you know, teams are saying that, okay, if you're going to operate from the top of the court, like we're going to just put all of our pressure on you to make those long-range passes to the corners and so to speak because they know that if he gets in the paint, that's where he's going to be abusing you. Right. That's where he's going to make things so yeah. hard on you. He's going to make, he's going to find the passing angles to Jakob. And he even did that late in the fourth quarter against the Bucks, where he had a couple of those chip shots to, to Jakob for a few layups. And obviously, you know, in the end, things didn't go the way that they, the way that they wanted to. But um, yeah, this is part of the process too. And when you think about, okay, so can this certain player become like a true number one, a bona fide number one? This is part of the process. You know, even OJ yeah. and Nobu, we're going to get to in a second, like he's being successful now, but he's just making the shots that he's normally shooting anyways. You know? Yeah. What happens when he's actually being guarded in different ways and teams are scouting for him and stuff like that? That's where it's going to be like, okay, now you have to have a counter to the counter. Right now, Pascal has yep. to have a, a counter to the counter to the counter to the counter to the counter. Right? That's where that's what yep. the elite players have, right? 
And uh, it's just, this yep. is part of it, but uh, it's just not a great time for him to be going through that because you think, man, the Raptors have this Fred and Yak pick and roll and we have this all-star right here. How yeah. cool would that be? But we're not, we're not there yet. <laughs> well, here's hoping for one, I'm an optimist. Yep. Uh, and two, Love it. like you're right. I like, I do like your point about the, like some of the top players in the league, they have their move and their counter move and then a counter move probably to that counter move. But it's probably, and like, honestly, like, you probably really only need three or four. Like you don't mm -hmm. need crazy amounts, but like, you know, but that's also what makes the difference between like a LeBron, you know, you can't leave LeBron open in any situation. And then, you know, even if you like, even if the whole team's guarding him solo, he'll have a move for everybody that yeah, will get, that sure. will get them. So um, yeah, like that. But so to your point, I like your point. It's like, uh, it's like what we see in Shea Gilders Alexander right now, actually. Because it's unfolding. Yeah, I know. I know. It's unfolding before our own eyes. How beautiful is his game? Like, oh insane. Anyways, but he has a move to the counter move. And then sometimes he go back to the original move. It's like he has the stop, mm -hmm. start, change directions. And then he can yeah. change directions again. And let me tell you how difficult that is. Um, uh -huh. So you got to give it to uh, to those guys who are that elite. You know, um, that's not every player. And I think, you know, Pascal still has another level that I'm excited to see. Like, if it's not this year, then it's another. It's probably next year. Like, whatever sure. development that, that entails. Just a quick thing on Shea. I asked him about what exactly you're talking about. And I said, what is the importance of pace to your offense when he was in Toronto a couple, couple of days ago? And he said that it keeps teams guessing. That's yep. the important part. It keeps them on their heels. It keeps them on their toes. It keeps them unsure about what my next move is. Now he has the pace. Now that all players can have that stop and go that he has. That's like something that he's just God given, you know, that he's has that right. Um, but that burst that he has yeah. being able to it's stop. Oh you know, man, it's, it's incredible. Right. And that's what he has. Like Pascal yeah. has his own it's, things it's, that make him special. And then this is what makes Shea special. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's such a level of body control. I know we could go right on into this for like the entire <laughs> rest of this podcast, but it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it takes a lot of body control and strength to be able to be able to switch speeds on a dime like that. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's also mental. It's also head games, what he plays. Oh, like sure. it's not just physical. Like he knows when to change the speed and when yeah. to, he's truly uh -huh. reading the defender right in front of him, which is really cool. Definitely. Pascal needs that two point range. Those shots have to get to start sinking again. When you talk about Shea, like his mid range game is yeah. beautiful. Every single great offensive player has to have a great mid range game. It's just the reality. That's it. Yep. That's it. And so you get yep. that back. Hopefully like for Pascal, it does. Mm-hmm. 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 No question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fred, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. It's going to be an ongoing theme probably mm -hmm. in this, this podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Speaking of uh, mm -hmm. the Fred, yeah, pick and roll. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Jakob's, yep. Jakob's true shooting percentage over the last month is 65%. That's very good. That's amazing. Fred Van Vliet over the last month, 19 points, 43% shooting, 38% from three, nine assists, playmaking. Okay. This is how the Raptors have pivoted. And this has influenced everybody. This has made actually OG, which again, we're going to get to in a second. It's made him better. It's kind of decreased the usage of Pascal and Scotty, but mm -hmm. it's working. I did a video about this and they're continuing to, to evolve those two, their partnership. But yeah, your thoughts on, on those two becoming this duo and also just like, is it okay that this is a feature part of the offense? Yes. Oh yeah. Like I love me some old school basketball, like when it, when it works, like obviously yeah. like we always talk about how much the game has changed. The game has changed. We can go back to the basics, like literally the fundamentals when we are all like 10 years old, learning how to play basketball for the first time and just do a pick and roll. Like mm -hmm. that's why like they teach kids this because it just works. Like there's so many options off of it and there's so many ways to explore it. Like you can start with the basic action of just a regular pick and roll screen. Okay. Big man goes to the hoop, you know, guard yeah. can space and kick to the big man or guard could use it and go down the lane. Um, but then there's also other actions. Like now you could do, you know, a back screen off of a roll. Like you could do um, a, you know, weak side oh, kick out. You can yeah, do like, it. Just on opens the action, up the action, the action. Exactly. Yep, 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 just yep, completely yep. opens up the. And the crazy part is that we haven't even seen the actions on the actions yet. It's just been really basic pick and roll so far. Like there's maybe a few examples of like something else happening on the court at the same time, but not to the extent that it can be. Because like this is like once again like we were talking before a late yeah. addition. So like 
if we had this before, yeah, definitely. I think it would have been a top 16, a uh, six team in the East, just sure. because um, you could have evolved from, you could have been more further mm -hmm. ahead in where you're taking this. Um, I do remember talking to Jakob about, you know, just what's working so well for him and like this dynamic with Fred. Um, and he just said that like, he knows exactly where Fred wants to get his pick and rolls. Like he knows yeah. like where he wants to receive a pass um, he knows that sometimes Fred just wants to take one step back out of the screen and like hit an open three. And so that like innate chemistry out of that combination is just straight up working. So that's why we're like, mm-hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> it'll be working. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's working all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mm -hmm podcast. <laughs> uh-huh. It's a mm-hmm podcast. I'm going to call mm -hmm. that when I send it out. I'm going to call it the mm-hmm podcast. Nice. You know, when it comes to like a, a, and you talk about the fundamentals of a great pick and roll and like you think about some of the best combinations out there and like it's important to be able to stretch the defense and be a threat from um, as far away from the court as possible and also as close to the court as possible. And even like Jakob uh, in, the, in the game against the Bucks, like he missed a couple of chip shots that probably he would make normally. Maybe those go in next yeah. time around. But the fact that he's able to be like such a, he has a floater, he's able to uh, score off the catch, he's able to finish around the rim, then you got Fred Van Vliet, um, they're able to extend that screen all the way to like damn near the half court line, right? Do it there, and now he's able to get yep. his pull up three going, he's got his mid range going, like this has been evolving since the duo got together again, and now that pa uh, Fred's passing craft has just escalated so much more too, and he's finding so many different ways to find Jakob around the rim, right? It's bounce passes. It's like these overhead passes. Yeah. It's like these crazy passes with spin on them. And this is all part of like his maturation processes too. And I wouldn't, I don't want to say, like, I think it's, yeah. it's annoying at, at points where I hear people say that, oh, look how much Fred has improved. Like it's not, is it improving or is him just like remembering those skills? It's a different uh, situation. Again? Yeah. Yeah. Like he it's knows not improvement. He, he it's a different stuff, situation. Right? Exactly. exactly. So you have to like re-engage those parts of your memory and also yeah. just like form that chemistry because it's not like he didn't do it beforehand. He was exactly. He just didn't have the option. Yeah. yeah. He, he just didn't have the option. Like yeah. if the option doesn't exist, if you, if you don't have a seven footer, that's as big and strong as Jakob, like then you don't have a seven footer. Like, like that's, it's as simple True. as that. Like with his addition yeah. to the team, like, okay, like it does change the dynamic completely of what we're seeing out there. And like, yeah, that's why I said, but like, if we had him earlier, imagine how much more evolved. Now we could probably go from, you know, and we have seen this a little bit because Jakobs is also a really great passer himself, right? Like uh -huh. out of the high post, pick and roll off the top, give it like dump to Jakob elbow because there's a short roll maybe instead. And then he could kick it down to either his fellow post player who could be cutting from a wing angle or like to a weak side kick out to OG in the, in the corner for a three. Like there's just Ooh, so yeah. many options that you could play with with yeah. him. And then I do remember Nick Nurse talking about it in practice a few days ago where he said that now they're looking to create plays for Jakob particularly. He said, sure. you know, because he's shooting, as you mentioned, the 60% mark, um, that like he, he wants to utilize that. Cause it's true. His touch around the rim, like that's the other mm -hmm. part of this, right? It's not just like, Oh, it's a pick and roll. No, you have to respect that Jakob has a really great touch around the rim. He's not forcing it too hard despite, despite the fact that he is like really tall and he has that strength. And sometimes that could translate to being too like hard around the rim, but like, no, instead it's like a, it's a legitimate threat um, that you have to drop on him or you got to put a body and you got to bump him so that he's not getting an easy look. But even then, like we saw in Milwaukee, he has a bit of a floater game too. Like he can just like softly floated above his offenders, which is not like a stretch because like he's already so tall. So it's not like you have to crazy high. It's just oh, yeah. a little touch. And like, yeah. so that's, that's why it's working. And that's, I would like to see like, if, you know, especially if Jakob stays and everything works out next season, like um, if, if that evolved to incorporate just more pieces of the team together. Like I know Scotty, like we talked about this before, Scotty also loves playing off of Jakob. Let's dive deeper into that too. Sure. So looking at right now real quickly because I think his free throw percentage has escalated quite a bit you know when he came over to Toronto he's shooting, shooting like 60 percent or something like that right and uh yeah I need a second just to to find that but um it's obviously gotten a lot better and that that's contributing to his high uh, true shooting percentage and um as you mm -hmm. said like you talk about you know Fred being a screeter and Jakob operating from the high post like that play where Fred sets a back screen for OG along the the baseline and then you got that lob option and Jakob's finding him like they've run that like probably a bajillion times and it's worked a bajillion times. So they're finding little things here and there. And I want to credit Nick Nurse and their coaching staff a little bit um, just for a second, because we have all yeah. labored on their, their off offense, half court being like really, really stagnant, 
lacking ball movement, um, just lacking player movement. And they're finding ways slowly but surely. Like they're using Gary Trent Jr. on some 45 cuts. The Allen Iverson special, I love that stuff. Um, unfortunately, he missed a shot against the Bucks, but uh, they were using that for Fred earlier in the season. They haven't really found a groove with it, but I think they're realizing that they need to, you know, incorporate some more movement shooting, especially with the guys that actually have movement shooting ability. And there isn't mm -hmm. too many of them, but when you have them, you just got to like you got to you got to go into the bag of these players. You have a lot yeah. of offensive talent, and um, you mentioned Scotty Barnes. Like they're going to find ways to unlock both of those two with Jakob and Scotty, and the two-man game that they can create, and uh, some high lows, as you said. Like it's it's going to get there. Maybe not yep. this season, but probably <clears throat> next season will be uh, be a lot more fluid, a lot more a lot more pacey. I'll put it that way. A lot more pacey because yep. right now it's still a little bit. Uh, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hesitant, but they're going to get there, I think. And um, whoever is still on the team, great. Uh, another conversation for another day. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll have uh, be able to do one day, but uh, not right now. However, OG and Anobi. Okay, so 69% <clears throat> true shooting percentage since, uh, yeah, over the last month or so. 45% from three over the last month. He has been very, very good for quite some time. And uh, I said that little nugget earlier that, you know, I don't think he's really changed that much is more that the shots are yeah. going in and also probably that he's healthy. But again, your, your thoughts um, on OG and Obi, his play of late. Yes. I pose like this question. Uh, I think I posed this question really early in the season, basically. And, and basically if, if the Raptors were a top five team, top four team, maybe um, yeah. would OG be an all-star this year? Hmm. He's already a defensive player. Like, we already know he's the way he could do an, a defense. Like, we know that. Yeah. He's shooting 40% from three. He's so effective from, like, from long distance. What's keeping him from being an all-star exactly? Because if he's literally the best defensive player in the league and he has a solid shot that's consistent and yeah. he has other ways of contributing too, like, you know, we see the, the, the sick dunk sometimes. We see, like, you know, him getting to the, to, the, to the rim very aggressively and very strong. Sometimes I feel like he's a bull in a china shop. But, um, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, he's, he's really hard to stop when you don't want to stand in front of him, like if he's going yeah. up on, on offense. But so if, if the Raptors were able to send two All-Stars to the All-Star game, who's, who's your second All-Star? Like what makes the most sense, right? Yeah, and so sure. um, anyway, so I, I think about, about that and just the fact that like, yeah, OG has been just um, – once again, he, like he's had also his like ebbs and flows throughout the, the season. Like he was injured there for a minute, like, um, and the he wrist, was yeah. out of yeah, he was out finger of rhythm too. there. You could tell the fit, wrist, the finger. Um, you know they get a lot of like knickknacks that they don't even talk about, right? Like it only came out re recently that on that road trip, Gary Trent Jr. was feeling under the weather, right? And like yeah. here, like, a lot of media, um, you know, go really hard on players the moment they have like a stretch of like one or two bad nights. And so like, but then you like that, like, that's why I like, you know, my job, there's like a, a little smidge of human grace um, and understanding that, Hey, it's, Isn't that it's actually really hard. <laughs> I know really, when you get knickknacks and injuries and stuff that, that just even goes unreported really um, mm -hmm. you know, you can't always expect every single night to be perfect, but with, with OG overall, I'd see, say he's had a pretty consistent season. Um and like, yeah, you, and, and so he's, he's playing really good basketball right now. And I think this is exactly how you want him to be playing at this point in the season too. Like, like this is crunch time. They have 10 more games left. These next 10 games can dictate where they are within the play-in tournament. And if they play amazing basketball, who knows? So it's fingers crossed. They might be able to get themselves into a six seed. Right. So and this is like, yeah. if everything, if all the chips fall down the correct way, no, um, I got you. but, 
that being said, like with OG, like, yeah, he's, he's, he's peaking at the right time. Yeah. And uh, there's, a, there's a level of role acceptance. There's um, a bit of um, him just executing the plays that are in front of him right there. Like when you have the Fred and Yak pick and roll and you have Pascal yeah. Siakam, who regardless of how he's playing, he's still attracting a lot of attention. Like the, the job of OG and Anobi is like, you know, attacking closeouts. Um, he's able to bully ball in certain spots and he's able yeah. to, you know, operate from the mid range. He's able to get those, you know, fadeaways a little bit. He's able to get those pull-ups and um, those are within the scope of his offensive game at the moment. And yep. he's hitting those shots, and that's important. Yep. Um, I'm happy that he like those occasions where he was, you know, getting four or five shots a game. Like, I don't think that was great for the offense in general. Like, you want to be able to be versatile as an offense too. Um, and when OG and Anobi is only getting those amount of shots, it's like you know, three, four threes, and maybe a layup that didn't really go his way. Like, it, you're just you're not utilizing everyone to their full potential. And also at the same time, no OG and Obi is not like a number two option, at least not yet. But if you're able to find the balance between all those things and OJ yeah. is able to, you know, have a few minutes where he's able to be a higher option and they're doing that a good a good job of that too with, um, you know, the staggering that I talked about earlier on with uh, Nick Nurse's minutes, you know, you pair him with Pascal Siakam where you pair him with, you know, a Scotty Barnes or something like that. Now OG is, just moves up on the totem pole and he's able to just have some moments where he's able to um, explore a little bit. Um, only two, three minutes only two or three possessions, but you're giving him that. And then makes a few shots, builds confidence. Now everyone is going to be in a rhythm as you go down to the, uh, the, the, the latter moments of the fourth quarter. So it's good for him. Um, actually, you know, since the Jacoperto trade, more of his shots are coming from three, which is hilarious mm -hmm. because, uh, I mean, you see his numbers oh. escalate. You would think that the shots are probably more two point range, but it's just nope. more three point shots. And which at I'm the same sure time also, yeah, it's good for him. Right. And yeah. the, again, you talk about rhythm. Rhythm is so important to a person's offense and yep. uh, he's able to get, get downhill a little bit. And um, that's been good for him. Let's see what he continues to do down the stretch. Um, if teams are going to continue to be okay with OG taking more shots, then he's got to be able to do it. Um, and mm -hmm. that's uh, good for him. It actually started in that Washington game um, when they had those back-to-backs where the Raptors uh, won one, lost one, where they put Chris Stapps on him and it was like, okay, well, we can't allow this. And OG can't allow this to continue, right? Mm -hmm. And so he was able to find a rhythm. And then from then on, he's been slowly, you know, getting his uh, shots up um, game by game. So good for him. Um, I'm happy for him. And obviously the defense, like, what is there yeah. left to say about his defense? I'm not even sure if there is anything to say about his No, you can't. There's literally no criticizing his defense. Like, no. when you hold the league's best to, like, at minimum like a 15 point difference after like on their average or even even a 10 point difference on their average you literally can't say anything on top of like him being a skills leader like <laughs> yeah you can't ask for, for more. sure yeah. yeah guarding Jokic, guarding trey guarding yeah. demar guarding beal <clears throat> whoever yeah. it is i got you yeah absolutely Special. it's funny though it's funny what you mentioned with Jakob. And how that dynamic works between Jakob and OG, because now OG's taking more threes and like and like he's not missing. Like he's not his like his percentage nope. is consistent. Nope. Um yep. is the, that's actually the the irony of it. Like you think you add a big man and like maybe there's less space in the court, but actually there's more space in the court mm -hmm. because you're ha you have to drop and get Jakob because now you're open exactly. like completely exposing your rim. And so now you're taking away from attention from the guys like OG who are like they'll just like sit on the corner three or maybe like you know, make a wing yeah. cut, but like they're open now. <laughs> on, the, exactly. on, on the outside yeah what a luxury to have a passing big beautiful stuff we love it <laughs> yeah we love it okay mm -hmm. um <laughs> on to <laughs> mm -hmm. raptor 69 vision so where do you stand with that now and where do you think the raptors stand with that we're seeing will barton they brought him in and the barton minutes haven't been great um i think we should yeah. at least acknowledge that um he's been given the role as a backup point guard and uh, it hasn't gone according to plan. Um, Jeff mm -hmm. Dowden Jr. certainly would uh, look good at points. But um, anyways, besides that, when you see that happen, when you see Christian Coloco getting some minutes, and I'm talking about those two in particular, do you think the Raptors are saying that, okay, maybe Vision 69 isn't working the way we thought it would, or is it that we're not there yet and we have decided that we're going to win games? And they decided that as soon as they brought in Yaka Pirtle, Let's try and plug some of these holes temporarily while we hope that some other players can, you know, elevate their, their skill set and we can, um, you know, be in a better spot next season. What I, um, what I really liked about Masai and how real he was on trade deadline 
was yeah. he completely like called himself out a little bit. He's like, uh, maybe, maybe we didn't get this one right. Basically. Like he was, he was just taking complete accountability over the, the season on top of like holding others accountable too. Cause that's Masai. Like he said that he sat down with the players like, Hey, you guys gotta stop playing so selfishly. Cause that, yeah. that was the word to use. Like he said that they were playing selfish ball. And I think for viewers, viewers at home and media, like, I think we can all kind of agree with that. Like, I think we can all be like, yeah, like there's sometimes where you're wondering why did he take that shot or is there a better shot in that scenario? Like, you know, it, you know, different types of opportunities where you have to wonder mm. about that. Um, so you kind of wonder would vision six, nine work if guys were playing, you know, more selfless, selfless. Um, and, and, and maybe that, maybe they would have to have a different result. Maybe it would be um, something yeah. different, but don't forget, this is also a very young team. And a lot of these guys are not just like, you know, playing for playing. Like they're playing because they want to make their brand. They want to have the stats. They want to like, they're, they're trying to prove themselves in the league. They have a lot to like, this is not just a, a here and now decision. It's a long-term style of play sure. that they're trying to just like solidify for themselves. Right. So do I think that vision six, nine would work in theory? Yeah, I think so. In some regard. Yes. But in spurts <laughs> with this, exactly yeah. in this scenario, with this team um, and also the style of coaching and stuff like that, you know, I think that having a traditional center and a bit more of a traditional point guard, um, even though, as you acknowledge, like he didn't have his best game the other day um, is, is still a really good mix. It's a very good combination. They almost needed the stability. That's the thing. Yeah. I think the vision six now was almost too fluid. It was too, flexible mm. within the realms to the point where people didn't almost didn't know what their role was like because it's like well i Which can't i'm like we're yeah. all six nine like so i can play you know the four five but i can also squeeze into a two three if they really need me to like it's yeah. like it's, and also it, what is a four get, five two three like who uh, is ex who <laughs> ex literally can you even define yeah. like hey like you yeah. know i don't know like yeah. chris you are a hundred percent a four like yeah. No, because he go he's played five and he mm -hmm. has a three point shot, so he could probably yeah. hang out on the wing too comfortably. Like, so sure. there's like and and then with Precious too, right? Precious would be an undersized five, and then but then Precious has a enough ball handling that he can go into a three. Like, so mm. I, I think it murkies up the water a little bit. I think if the team was overall um, older with a bit more veteran presence, um, it might have worked a little bit better, but. They wanted that young, youthful athletic team. Um, and I think they they have it, but now they're 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 tuning it to what the needs are this season immediately. Um, and that is to to have a bit more of a structure to it, as that's hence why like the pick and roll is, is working. That's why OG's fighting his shots on the outside better. Like and they're like, oh, I remember this. Like <laughs> <laughs> this is how I played basketball, yes. Yes. you know, before. So yeah. Um, I'm not saying that it didn't work. I'm just saying that I think in this set of circumstances with this team in particular, I think that they kind of needed a bit more of a structure. Gotcha. Great points by you there. Um, I think, I mean, even when I said that, you know, who is a two and what is a two and so forth, like there's always going to be someone who's going to be at the top of a zone. There's always going to be someone who has to guard, you know, yeah. a Bradley Beal and things of that nature. So there is still, even within their positionless style of basketball, there is still positions that just inherently have to happen. And when that happens, you yes. are going to get into a little bit of a muddy spot. And I've heard Thad Young talk about it. I've heard Chris Boucher talk about it saying, you know, it's like we get on the court and sometimes it's like, who is the four, who is the five? And that does create mm -hmm. confusion when, you know, when you have a more realistic, a more traditional lineup with like a Will Barton, with a Christian Coloco, things just are simplified. And it's just less things to worry about for a player. And that's going to help, you know, the process. Um, at the same time, you know, Vision 69 can work to some degree, but the players, the 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 skill set necessarily isn't there. Like there are things that you need, especially on offense, um, that a 6'9 player only at an elite level can do. Like when you need a player yeah. to 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 run off screens, we need someone to hit a pull up shot from the mid range. We've seen it this season that sometimes it gets really hard for these guys to do it, and that's okay because they're just not there yet, you know. And even yeah. on on defense, yeah. screen navigation, for instance, smaller players yeah. are probably better at that. Yeah. That's just like yeah. reality, yeah. you know. Um, and then if if you don't need that, then hopefully you have like a big center at the at the, the basket that you can funnel players to. They didn't have that yeah. either. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's true. 
right? So it's a complicated thing. And uh, I think a lot of teams, like they realize, you know, the flaws of, of the Raptors and how they can simply like you have a, a flying around defensive style. And at the same time, you have no rim protection that was, you know, worked against the Raptors for most of the season, mm-hmm. but now they have Yak and it's been obviously very helpful. I do think Christian Coloco is going to be a rotation player next season. I think that's, I'd almost guarantee it um, because I think he's just going to continue to, to develop uh, during up. the off season. Yeah. And uh, I mean, why wouldn't you, if you have, you're realizing the flaws of your vision, why not have use this player who's clearly going to keep on getting better and has actually been um, an impact player to some degree, you know, to some degree. Um, this season. So I think he's going to be there, but like, you know, Chris, Chris, Chua, Chris Boucher, um, Thad Young, who's still on a contract, although he gets really cheap next season, actually, I think there's going to be some movement within that. Um, I'm not saying who, where, what, what it also like, it depends on who the Raptors decide to, you know, resign um, during uh, the off season, because mm-hmm. there's a few players they got to make decisions on. However, they do need more shooting juice. That has to happen. Um, Pascal Siakam can't keep on operating this way. It's not even fair. <laughs> at this point and uh change is imminent but in the immediate if they're looking to get into the first round if they want to win some playing games if they want to make some noise if you want to keep things interesting they had to make some changes to help this team uh reach a different level this season but uh in the end just like it was last season another off season of very critical development for an assorted amount of players <laughs> right um yes. six, nine, it, it's not going to be solved in one off season two off seasons it could be three or four but um there is juice to it however you need a lot of your players to just get a lot better at a lot of different guard type versatile versatile plays um and that isn't done over yes um, one off season two off season it takes a long time and that's what the raptors are gambling on good bad i don't know yeah 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 um yeah well i guess we'll find out <laughs> um, <laughs> indeed well, and that's and and that's also assuming that they're gonna stick to Vision Six Nine too. Like, they might be they like, might you know, not. we tried it. Let's just yeah do something else. Um, sure. See if that works. And then you know, also you don't know, you know, what pieces might be available come off season, like that you weren't expecting to be available, and now they want to trade from their mm-hmm. team or they want to trade from this team or whatever. And all of a sudden, like you know, like you're not gonna turn down a guy who's amazing, like a, a, a really solid guard for vision six, nine, you know, you're, yeah. you're going to, you're going to take the solid guard. Like, so yeah. it, it, there's some, I think there's some leniency to be had even within that. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. That's, that's all I can say. What's curious to me though, is that, and I, and I still think about this is that, you know, Will Barden, he wasn't a traditional point guard when he came to the Raptors and he hasn't really done that much of it, even during, going back to his Denver days. So why was he given the, the assignment of being a backup point guard? I mean, I kind of like the idea of him being like a corner three point shooter, a spot up three point shooter, you know, spacing the floor. Um, it's a curious choice that the Raptors made with that. I understand sort of why they decided to do that, but, um, cause he yeah. also, he's like, he's got decent size. Uh, for someone at his position, he's a guard with some, you know, with some length, but um, I don't know. It was a weird one for me, but they're still yeah. using him this way. I mean, I feel like um, I think the give and take in that situation was also, don't forget, like, you know, one shows contributions and stuff like that. Like, I feel like they felt like they weren't getting mm-hmm. what they needed out of Wancho and they probably were looking for, okay, what's another option and what do we need in this moment? And so, you know, I'm not saying that like he was the perfect fit, but yeah. he was a fit enough. Sure. Um, so I feel like maybe that's more of the logic. I don't, I can't say for sure, of course, but like, I, I feel like when they got him, you know, they still needed some stability in that backup point guard role. Um, yeah. And I think just by not necessarily the type of game he plays, but by the veteran presence he brings, um, he has the ability to bring a bit of a calmness to the storm. Uh, and Definitely. I don't think they're asking him to be a, like a, like a solid score or attack the rim or they don't really want to do to do too much to be quite honest i don't think um and also when i spoke to will himself like you know when he first arrived i said you know what what's your role what do you plan on bringing to the team and he told me he was like honestly like just veteran presence and a calmness like i want to make sure that like when i'm on the court like everything's under control um yeah i think that we i think that there's some games some moments in games that we have definitely seen that where he's really not trying to like do the most and you mm-hmm. kind of appreciate that because he's not trying to hog the ball or he's not trying to like you know let me show you about like what I can do here in this moment it's more so how can I get my teammates open or how can I get my teammates available and stuff like that but um I think the last game that we saw in Milwaukee he kind of went away from that 
And that that's the thing that wasn't working, right? Like, and that's that's not what he's necessarily like like here for that he told me at least. So um I I think that if he gets back to his like original like you know role of just being like, hey, I'm a veteran point guard been there done that you know he seen has a lot done a lot yep <laughs> exactly right in in yeah. denver he he leads he's second now uh, i believe jamal murray just passed him in the most three-point field like field goals made um and so like you know he's he's, he's had his his day essentially right sure. um so now now he's just bringing that that veteran and i feel like they probably felt like he brings more in this current situation in this moment than what they were getting or needing out of wancho yeah I, I, yeah, I hear it. Um, tricky thing for the Raptors, you know, trying to maintain their vision at the same time, trying to, you know, add some shooting, shooting pop, tough balance yeah. that they're trying to strike there. I, I still think that if they just sign Jeff Dowd and they convert him, I think they would, I think he would do a lot of what they're looking for. I, I mean, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, Jeff Dowd Jr. is like a starting point guard, you know, future all-star or anything like that, but they just, they need like such specific things and look at, look at the impact that Jakob Pertle made, you know? Like yeah. it was just like, they need like some, like just a few connective pieces and it fixes so much for them. But I mean, it's just yeah. my opinion. I, I understand the other side of it too, is like having some veteran presence, like you said, um, handling the ball, it is, uh, is pretty critical too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, and once again, I just want to make it clear as well. That's not to say that Wancho didn't bring anything. Like he absolutely, you mm -hmm. know, he was part of that visions extend the original thing. And unfortunately, like when yeah. things get down the stretch and, and you got to change it up. Sometimes like, sometimes it's, it's your game that doesn't necessarily fit the, the puzzle, but that doesn't mean make you any less of a player. Um, I do think that Wancho had some really great moments defensively. Like he was a bit underrated in that regard. And also he was a great glue guy. Like he could he was. pass, he could pass the ball really well. So, um, but yeah. Great cutter. Case, like, yep. And, and yeah. And to, to your point with Jeff Down Jr., We'll see what happens there, of course. Um, but I also think that he brought a lot to the court in terms of like a, just a just a spark. Like he just reinvigorated the team sometimes, mm -hmm. like just be coming off the bench and just being ready. So um, yeah. we'll see what happens there. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. I love that quote. Okay, final ten games. Have you looked at? Do you know what the you know what the dealio is? The games are that they I got the list here. Final um, ten. I'm just curious. Yeah, the final 10, you got uh, in order, Pacers, yeah, Pistons, Wizards, Heat, 76ers, Hornets times two, Celtics times two, yep. Milwaukee Bucks. Mm -hmm. No more back-to-backs. Mm -hmm. They're done with that. Um, the OG question for you was like, yep. how do they do on the, the homestand? But I mean, out of those 10 games, just off the top of your head, how do you think uh, the Raptors fare? I'm going with seven and three. At least that's what I, I hope. That's what I hope, seven and three. I was going to be the optimist. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can go um, higher. Seven and three eight, eight, would be. I was going to say 10, obviously. <laughs> 10. Um, no, I mean, being realistic, uh, you know, I, I do think that it's very possible to win against the Pacers, the Pistons, the Wizards. Heat, heat mm, should better be win a those possible three. game to you grab. better win those three. Yeah. 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 Those three for sure. Then you go, you know, 76ers, that's a gamble. Like, you, that's a bit more of a, they're mm -hmm. a tough team to match up with. Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid for a reason, right? Um, yep. And then Hornets, Hornets, I hope that they get both of those. Um, you know, Hornets are having the season that they're having. Uh, and then Boston, Boston, that will be tough, super, super tough. But you almost wonder, by the time they play Boston, will Boston yep. be even playing all their guys? So it's yeah. actually technically possible to win both Boston games, if not one of the games, just by the fact that you don't know who they're going to play and who they're not going to play because they have uh, mm -hmm. their sights on a championship. Um, and then, of course, sure. the last thing you see is the Bucks. Same thing kind of goes for the Bucks in this situation, too. You don't know who the Bucks are going to play or who they're not going to play. And so those last five games of the season actually yeah. are a little bit up up in the air, like in terms of like so Charlotte, Charlotte should be a, a lock, but then Boston, Boston, so the last three is – is debatable depending on who the other teams decide to play or rest essentially. No question. I look at it like you just have to beat the Pacers, Pistons, Wizards. Like that has to happen. Yeah. And you add in the Hornets times two, five games right there, you just have to win. Right? Yeah. Then outside of that, Heat 76ers, Celtics times two, Bucks. Um, I would imagine that by time we get to that Bucks game, that 
they're going to have the number one seed like solidified and like they're already running away with it already yeah. and like they're finally healthy and now they're just like cooking everybody um at least to, i mean from what i'm seeing i mean they they lost the game previously to the raptors they lost to the pacers they squeaked by the the raptors there but i mean i just think they're going to get into a groove and they're going to just keep on running away with it and then you just yeah the heat 76ers like those are games that they can win Will they win? I don't know. But yeah. at the very least, you, that Heat game, like that has a great implications for uh, the Raptors. And also, like if you end up playing that team in the first uh, first playing game, want to send a message. And I think the Raptors, just with their defense and the Heat, kind of kind of having some issues on offense, like lacking a little bit of juice. I mean, Bans playing incredible, but uh, that's a game that they should win. Also, they're at home. So I'm hoping for seven and three, but at the very least on this road, on this homestand, I don't know, man. You got to like, if you are the team that you say you are, you probably should win all four games. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Yep. 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 Hope for. That's what makes them good. Mm -hmm. That's what makes them good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's just been fun. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Savannah. Thanks so much. That was, this was a lot of fun. Um, I've been enjoying your, your work all season, watching you oh. continue to grow and all that stuff. It's been really cool to see getting your, your national shine. So keep on doing it. Just beginning for you. Closing thoughts. Well, oh, thank you so much. I feel all warm inside. I don't know how to express my emotions back, but thank you so <laughs> much. Um, this has been a lot of fun. This conversation has been like, honestly, like a highlight of my day. So I appreciate you having me on. Hey, and right. um, uh, for the for the listeners that didn't know, we were supposed to record this like the other day and I got stuck in Milwaukee. And so uh, appreciate mm-hmm. the accommodation. <laughs> oh, no question. No question. One of the PR people was, I was talking to her about uh, some of the best spots in Milwaukee because I, I saw some of them um, during the championship run. I'm like, there's a coffee shop called Rochambeau which is really, really good. I'm not sure if she ended up going or not, but anyways, maybe when if you do end up going for that final Bucks game, which I believe is in, uh, it's in Milwaukee, I think. Anyways, check it out. Rochambeau. Okay. Great lockers. Sounds good. Love All right. it. All right. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Savannah. We'll talk soon. Support comes from ServiceNow the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.